This podcast is sponsored by Vicon, the Academy Award-winning developer of motion capture products and services for the life science, entertainment and engineering industries. Shogun, Vicon's visual effects software, developed specifically for the needs of the VFX community, captures performances effortlessly, in real time and delivers robust, accurate, reliable data. The latest release of Shogun now includes full range of motion, high-fidelity finger capture, along with other massive quality-of-life improvements, so you can capture reality faster. Find out more at www.vicon.com. Oh, hello, Internet. This is Troy Baker, and I'm here with your lovely, very, very British host, Victoria Atkin. And this is the Performance Capture Podcast. The fact that I get to bridge this weird world between performer and, but like, fangirl first, let's be real, is so dope. I kind of created my position. Like, nobody said, oh, you know, here, go to school to become a performance capture producer. I pretty much created my own career. If there's something that that you're curious about or if you have any questions, like, go out and find the answers for yourself. What I think I love the best about it is just its family environment. You know, the dots can tell if you're lying. Hi, my name is Victoria Atkin, and you're listening to the Performance Capture Podcast. Today, we have a woman that is phenomenal in this field. She has produced many, many things. Can you tell us your name and where you grew up, please? My name is AJ Clearway, and I grew up in Northern California. And what is your professional title? I kind of gave it away a little bit, but... Uh, I work as a performance capture producer and AD. And we always ask everybody um, how you would best describe what performance capture is, because it's this umbrella term that we're always trying to define, and I love hearing different guests and how they describe what they call it. Okay, so motion capture, I mean, games started with motion capture and VO in a booth, right? The actors would do the voice in the booth and motion capture would be stunt people on the stage. And performance capture brings it all together where you're doing full performance. It's face, it's voice, it's body, it's full performance. Um, Kind of like black box theater, but high tech theater, basically. High tech theater, I like that. That's really cool. And... um, in your job, your day-to-day duties, can you tell us a little bit about that? What do you what do you do? What do people employ you for? So sometimes I am brought on by the game developer, um, and I come in early at the sta- at early stage, kind of help with script development, and we sit down. And we have lots of meetings about sort of story, and I end up helping on the casting side of things, and all the way through to basically breaking down the script building the shot list, you know, determining sort of how many shoot days we need, how many rehearsal days we need, how many stunt days we need, and then just kind of working with the team and talking about how to kind of bridge that gap between production and what actors are used to on a film set or a TV set um, and the mocap stage. Because many of the game teams, you know, they're in the animation world. They're used to being in front of a computer. They know what they want, but they don't necessarily know how to talk to an actor. They don't necessarily know how production works. So I come in almost as a consultant um, with game teams. And then other times I'm hired by a stage like Digital Domain, and I come in just kind of for a week or two to help kind of organize everything and run the production. So it really just depends who hires me and what the needs are of the team and and you you've worked in tv and film as well right yes, as well as games and uh, motion capture what would you say the difference is being a producer on that side of things to motion capture and performance capture i would say the biggest difference is film you know film's been around for over 100 years and it's very structured and very rigid and everybody knows exactly what their job is whereas with games and with performance capture it's kind of still 
a little bit of a Wild West where there's a lot of different roles and there's, you know, specific roles, the VFX supervisor, there's the cinematic director, animation director, there's all these different directors and different people that sort of own different different aspects of it, but it's such a technical process, and we're so interdependent with each other. And to get the best performance, and to get the to make the best story, everybody has to sort of contribute. And so it's much more collaborative in that way, and it's less defined. All the rules are not as defined, which is why I kind of created my position. Like nobody said, "Oh, you know, here you go to school to become a performance capture producer." You know, it's sort of like I have this eclectic background, and I pretty much created my own career. And tell me a little bit about your background, because I know um, for me, going into performance capture, I I stumbled upon it, but really I'd been training myself for it my whole life. Um, I'd done a lot of voice, I'd done TV and film, and I was an athlete. I liked to do contact improvisation type dance, but it wasn't dance, you know. So I was really, I was really trained my life for it. Tell me a bit about your background and and you say you created this job, which I think is fantastic. Um, Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I came into film. I mean, I I started as a filmmaker and I can tell you sort of how specifically how I I first came across performance Yes, please do. That's Um, one of my questions is how you discovered it and how you got into it. Your first gig doing this. Yeah. Okay, so I, I came into my background was as a filmmaker and a producer of films. So I was at a film festival in Italy with a film that I produced and directed, and I met another filmmaker, and that was Tom Keegan. Okay. So Tom Keegan, so we both had films at this film festival, and we were sitting in the back of a van, and we were talking, oh, where are you from, where are you from? You know, we're in Italy, and I was like, oh, I just moved to Santa Monica. He's like, oh, I live in Venice. So, you know, we found out we were neighbors, and that was kind of the beginning of it. He's the one who introduced me to it. And he needed a producer because he was doing, this was my very first project. It was The Bourne Game, which actually never got produced. It was like the vertical slice. for it It was sort of a mini shoot for what could have been the born game which never ended up going but that was our that was my first production and that was with Tom Keegan and he and I have worked together on and off for the last 10 years that's really really cool we had a uh... Janina Gavanka talk about how amazing he was on Star Wars. Um, you worked on that yeah. title too, yeah. yeah so yeah. there's lots of crossovers here. I love this. And we'll yeah. have to get Tom. Hopefully he'll join us for another season of this. What is your favorite thing about motion capture? You must love this. You've, you've worked in this. You've established yourself really very well. Why do you love coming to work and doing this? I think I touched on it before. I would say it's the collaborative aspect of it. It's, I mean, it's such a collaboration. I mean, everybody really depends on each other. And we're pushing the technologies. Like, we're pushing what's possible. I mean, I'm really interested in immersive technologies and how mocap is now being used for not just games, not just movies, but all kinds of immersive experiences. Um, you know, Digital Domain is actually doing one now where it's called The March, and it's it's a VR experience that's going to be um, at a number of different museums around the country. And it's... Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech where you get to be a member of the audience and get to experience being right there and hearing him give that speech. So I just feel like there's so much potential for mocap and it's exploding in so many different new ways. Um, You know, it's it's I think the applications of it are much more. And the funny thing is I started in film and I worked in game. I've been working in games for 10 years and all of a sudden I'm working on mocap for movies now like more movies are are you know needing mocap for their animation but like it's just it's getting bigger and bigger even disney that's like such a traditional animation studio is now like i just worked on something recently for disney it's like mocap is exploding it's 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 in demand in all different areas now and uh, you talked about um working in film 
first of all. Did you train? Did you go to school for film? How, how did that start? Because I know a lot of people that listen to the podcast are trying to get into this field. Um, some of the directors that we interviewed, Aladino, who we talked about before from Digital Domain, he trained traditionally as a director. Did do you do that as a producer? Did you train at school for that? Or? I did. I did. I studied film, although in undergrad school, I kind of discovered film. I literally just picked up a camera and started making documentaries. So I started, yeah, as a filmmaker. And then I did go to grad school at the University of Texas in, in film. Um, but there, but I wasn't in games at that time. And there was, I, don't, I think they, have, they may have a mocap stage there now, but they didn't then. And can you tell us an experience that you enjoyed specifically on the motion capture stage, something maybe that was funny or, I don't know, something that's really very memorable for you that you could share with us? I mean, I would say, again, just on the theme of collaboration, like when we did, so Jedi Fallen Order, uh, Respawn's game, which we're all really excited about, and that game, um, we really pushed the limits of what's possible in terms of stunts and performance on that one, which I really pushed for this, and I'm really excited that it was so successful in the sense of production, because we we had, a, you know, our stunt team was so integral to being able to pull off our stunts. So, and we had, so there's one character who's really, really a, a large woman, like really tall, like eight feet, nine feet tall. And so we had two, you know, we had one person, you know, playing her body and another person with the face. And and so this is one of the things I really like to do with stunts and the main actors is sort of put them side by side where they become almost like one. So like the, you know, the one actor was being the body and she was being the face and they, they were gotten so in sync with each other. They were almost like doing a dance, right? So, and then we'd have these incredible stunts where we'd have one person, you know, the main character would be being covered by three different actors at the same time. So the main character would be performing the face and and sort of standing by, and then there would be another actor, you know, on a wire, maybe doing a huge leap, and then another actor doing, um, you know, a saber fight. You know, so there'd be like three people playing the same character, but they were all in such sync with each other, and it was so... I just love that collaboration, and I really, really um, developed a strong relationship with the stunt team because they were so integral to being able to pull off all the things we did on that. And then, and then of course, in, in the interest of the story, right? And it was so great to see, like, all the stunt doubles with the main actors. They'd talk about the character, and they'd really help each other, like, get the right movements and get the right gestures. Like, every, every subtle movement. I mean, that's what mocap is so great about. It's like every little detail you really... I mean, that's the whole point of mocap, is to get those subtle movements of the body. And so it, it's so great when the stunt people can be in sync with the main actors where yeah. it's a seamless performance even if you have three people performing for the, for one character. We talked about this in season one about how there's pros and cons to that and as an actor and I love how you've described, you know, the beautiful, the seamlessness of that because um, that's that's very encouraging. I think um, I was employed to, to, to be um, the lead of a game but to copy the motion capture of a lead. And for me, I found it so I found it so difficult because it was so established already, you know. And to jump in, she, the lady wasn't available to do it, so I was covering different bits and pieces of the shoot. But I liked I like hearing about that seamlessness because I think there's there's some times that you feel like, oh man, I can't get into gear with this, and then other times it really flows. And I think when you're talking about creatures and different characters that are not human esque, um, it's very it's a it's maybe better for that. Yeah, and I think if you design it that way, I think if you, you know, if you have enough, and the, the way we did it on Jedi was like we'd have stunt rehearsals 
separately. So they would like figure out all the gags and all the all the stunts. Then we'd have combined rehearsals where we'd have the main actors and the stunt people to come together. So but and then we'd have a third rehearsal on the stage. We used three different stages, but we would come to the stage where we were actually shooting. And then all the tech people could also see, and we'd have the sets, and we'd have everything. So it'd basically be three full rehearsals before we could pull off one of the scenes like this. So it's like, if it's planned properly, it can really work. I mean, I see what you're saying, and it's so frustrating when it's like, oh, here, try to match this video of this other person who did this thing, and you have no idea how they were being directed or what they're—I mean, that's a totally, totally different thing. And yeah. and that's like Frankensteining stuff together. <laughs> and, and on Wolfenstein, we had to do that sometimes, where we'd have scenes with 12 people and, you know— it would be incredibly choreographed and rehearsed, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we have to replace this actor. Okay, so we have to go back and, like, match, you know, with 12 people in the scene, match this one performance and figure out how to make that work. And, you know, so some, you know, sometimes you just have to do that. And, it's, and that's the amazing thing about animation is that you actually can, but... You can stitch it in a way that you couldn't in TV and film. Exactly, yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited about your role as a producer and... Um, you started talking about how you lay out and you define these rehearsals and and things like that. What would you say are your skills, you know, your main skills and why you've been so successful in producing this medium? I think because I'm also a director. I think I think like a director, like so and also I have a technical background. So I have a little bit of everything and I and I so I think from every department's perspective. I'm like, okay, so from a performance perspective as an actor like, you know, I'm not going to make somebody you know, do a huge emotional scene and then a huge physical scene and then another huge emotional scene. So, you know, I plan things with all of those things in mind. So I'm thinking about performance. I'm thinking about the narrative arc. I'm thinking about the story. Like, you know, obviously in a perfect world, everything would be done in sequence, but that's not practical. So I'm thinking about those things, and then I'm thinking about logistics of the sets and what do we build and then, you know, the timing. It's, you know, a lot of sort of AD skills, but it's but from the from the get-go, I'm always thinking about the best way to to create the story and then how all the different departments are going to be impacted and sort of design the schedule accordingly so that all those different areas are, you know, thinking about, I mean, sometimes when we're, we have a huge production with, you know, 17 actors in a day, it's like, okay, so we have, you know, 10 helmet cameras and we have to figure out, you know, how to negotiate that and who's going to, you know, who, whose helmet, helmet needs to come on or off that here, you know, so there's logistical considerations and then there's story considerations and then there's physical considerations, you know, so often people don't realize how physical it really is for actors and especially stunt actors too, like they get worked to the bone, you know. I mean, Tom always jokes that, it, you know, don't use actors like, actors are not floor polishing machines, you know, just because you have this many hours, you don't use them necessarily for every second. You know, I mean, of course, we we make the most of every day, but it's like if you've made your day and if, if actors have planned, okay, so I know I have these scenes, you don't push them past that. Oh, we have an extra half hour. Let's throw this other thing in. It's like, you know, maybe something small, but, you know, it's sort of like planning, having everybody know what to expect and what to prepare for. You get the best. Everybody does their best work that way. Sounds like it's fun to be on a shoot with you. Things are <laughs> under control and planned and rehearsed. I like that. So can you just tell me where, you know, where is the producer work? Where do you mostly work with this? Yeah, so I can work from anywhere, but it really, where I end up doing productions depends on the project and where the actors are, right? So, for example, um, I've worked on the Battlefield series for, for many seasons and when we did Battlefield 1, we did that in London, and that was based on where the actors were. And that was um, because we were, we were, you know, the stories, all the, the, the vignettes were all um, World War I stories. 
So it really just depends where the actors are. So it's often in L.A., but but not always. You know, it's if it's European actors, we tend to work on stages in Europe. And if it's American actors, and it really just depends. Really, mostly any, where the actors are. Yeah. Have you been to any exotic locations for mocap stages? Mm. I know some things shoot in Japan. A, a few people want Yeah, I haven't. Not I yet. haven't. Yeah. It's been Europe, Canada, and the U.S. for me. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Same for <laughs> me so far. But I'm, I'm seeing these mocap stages all over the world, so... I'm sure maybe we'll meet at uh, one of those. Let's put it out there, Tokyo. Um, So we talked a little bit about um, your experiences and your education and and leading up to these different jobs and things that you're working on. Can you talk about a little bit about what you're working on right now, or is it all NDA? The one I spent the most time on last year was was Jedi. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what advice would you give other people listening that want to get into a similar field of performance capture? Seems though you have established this job as a performance capture uh, producer. If there's other women or men listening that want to get into this field, how? What would you say was the best advice? Where do they? Is there jobs posted from motion capture producer or on LinkedIn or things like that or? Do you, did you knock on doors yourself? I mean, obviously now you've established yourself and you've got a great reputation, but... I would say, I mean, just developing relationships with whatever teams you're already working with, right? I mean, that's that's how it works. And let people know what you want to do. I mean, I'll say it on your podcast. I really want to start directing more, right? Right. I'll just put it out there. Because yeah. if you don't say it, people don't know it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I bring a director sensibility to everything I do, and I've been able to be the right-hand person for Tom and for many other mm-hmm. directors, but I'm also a director. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's that you thing. should do it. And so I'm I would say that to other female people. female performance capture directors. Yeah, so and I would say that for other people, too. It's like if you're an animator or you're an assistant or whatever you're doing, like, let people know what your aims are and, like, work toward that. I don't. I mean, you know, nobody's going to hand you a pedestal. Mm-hmm. You have to carve your own path and just make good relationships with people. And if you if you make good relationships with people and you work hard and you're consistent. I mean, the thing that's that I also really love about my job is that I've been able to work with teams over and over and over on franchises where it's like, okay, you know, so it's it's like a big reunion every time. You know, it's like, oh, you know, okay, we're you know, we're coming and a lot of the same actors come back and a lot of this, you know, the same game teams and it's just it's nice. Like every couple of years we see each other because that's kind of the cycle, right? I mean, I know the animators are killing themselves to get the games out the door. But for, for me, I only work really on the mocap side of it. So it's sort of like there's a cycle every couple of years and the next one comes, you know, the next yeah. one comes around. So it's, you know, working on the production side. But I would just say for people, be clear about what you want to do and um, let people know that and do a really good job at whatever your job you're in at the time. Because, I mean, that's the other thing is your title isn't that important. Like for me, the, it's about the people and it's about the project and the title is not that important. And if you if you go with a good attitude, things will open up for you. Like, I, I have a lot of t- opportunities to direct, even though I'm not technically the director, just mm-hmm. in the role that yeah. I'm in. That's a, that's a good way to look at it, making the most of the opportunities as they arise. And they might not arise as a full-time position of doing that specific job. But if you're getting to... And as we know, it's completely immersive. You know, there's there's times where you have to... We were talking... I was talking to some of the other actors that we've had on this podcast, and you'll play different roles in this. You know, I remember playing, I would play Evie in Assassin's Creed, but then I played a little girl that was on a train, you know, and and these different roles and different characters. And at one point I played the villain that I was against. You know, I had to do some motion capture for her. So, um, yeah, it's making those opportunities and stepping up to that and saying, well, I can either shy away from this or I could 
be the person that steps forward and says, let's try. Can we talk a little bit more about your other things? We talked about Star Wars and Wolfenstein. Can you talk some more about uh, the other titles and things that you've worked on, just so everybody knows? Yeah, so I've worked on three seasons of Madden. So Madden Longshot was the first um, the first story mode in, in the Madden game. So that we really sh- that was almost like, I mean, that was essentially like a feature script. You know, I was handed a 200-something page script, and we had like two weeks to break it down, and it was like, okay, here we go. Let's find 45 actors and break this down into however many <laughs> shots and do this in two weeks. You know, it was so yeah, the Madden the Madden um franchise has been an exciting challenge. And the producer who I worked with on those uh came from a film background too. So that was really fun because, you know, we sort of had that understanding where most of the game teams I work with really have no context for production and, and so I'm doing a lot of sort of production one oh one with a lot of the game teams, but with uh, with the Madden team, like the the main producer at, at the time, uh, had a film background, which was which was a blessing and a curse because we were sort of approaching it like an independent film, and we were working more like film hours than mocap hours. And there are different different challenges with mocap, and you can't really produce a mocap shoot like a like a independent film. Because you have to plan more. So, for example, like with extras or background people, you can't just grab people off the street and yeah. use it for background people. It's there's like, no guerrilla style. No, there's <laughs> no guerrilla style. I mean, it's, you know, so there was a lot of just educating in the process of even just casting. I'm like, well, your background actors are important and they need to understand mocap. And it's like you were talking about, you have to be very physical. You have to really know how to use your body. You have to, it's a, you know, theater actors are much better at mocap than film only actors. I mean, because it is so physical and, um, so yeah, just sort of really putting uh, an extra touch on every you know every little character, every little background person. They they're all they all matter. Like you have to really cast them in you know and pay attention. You know if you're going to put a camera on them, if you're going to put a mocap suit on them, like you don't just throw people into a mocap stage in the same way that you can just throw backgrounds into a movie. Talking to you today, I, you've been the first uh, motion capture producer we've had on the season and the podcast f- so far. It's been it's been thrilling to understand that and see how these things all come together. And there's so many people involved in this. We talked about animators, we talked about actors, directors, but producing really encapsulates the whole thing. And without you and uh, people of your position, we can't make this thing happen, specifically on the day, the shoot day. You know, after we have a lot of post-production, there's thousands of people involved. But on the specific shoot day, you're very integral for that. So I want to thank you now for uh, shoots and and things that you've been involved in and all these projects that you've brought to life. And I'm excited to see the things that are going to be coming for you. And I'm definitely positive that you'll be directing. And I hope I get to be directed by you. Can we, how do we find you on social media? How do people, can we follow you or is there anything? Um, or LinkedIn or stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I'm can, on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Great. I'm, I'm on IMDb. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll take we'll take a good look at that stuff. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Can I say one last thing? Just, Definitely. I just want to say do. like on the game teams, I just want to give a shout out to the game producers because they're so they have to keep track of all the teams, all the animators, you know, every the level designer, you know, the entire project. And my my piece of it is just the performance capture shoot, which feels like just a tiny little slice of a much larger production. And I'm happy to do it. And I'm and I and it's great that I can focus on that one little minutia. But you know, the the game teams really they're the ones that work you know seven days a week till four in the morning to get the games out the door. And just before we go, I want to give you some 
Special gifts from our sponsor, Vicon. Here's their magazine, which you, if you haven't looked at already, I'm sure you probably have. And some sunglasses <laughs> and your own notepad to keep your thank you producer so much. notes thank you, thank from you. Vicon. So thank oh, you very much. This has been much. really fun. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, we look forward to working with you in the future. Great. Thank you. Thank you. This recording was done by Formosa Interactive, a full-service post-production sound company. Among its many divisions, Formosa Group as a whole offers independent and AAA content creators end-to-end services, including voiceover, sound supervision, sound design, editorial, mixing and music for gaming, film, broadcast and other platforms. Visit www.formosagroup.com for more information. Thank you to Soundbox LA for editing this episode.